0: A few weeks ago, I was scrolling through Instagram and had a kind of religious experience, seriously. It was this short video of the sun going down. It happened to be in Alaska. The person narrating it said something like, There it goes, (coughs) this far north, this far north, we won't see it again for two and a half months. She paused and I looked at that image of purple sky fringed with yellow and orange at the horizon, the dark ruffled water beneath it The small houses along the shore with their light shining through the windows. I felt this ache, like what Joanna just described, of darkness. I felt this ache of two and a half months of only at the most twilight. And then the narrator said something else. She said, and it's lovely and it's lovely. And I have wondered if I would have the depth and the fortitude to embrace that long darkness and see possibility in it and to say, and it's lovely. Some of us, as Joanna mentioned already, can really struggle at this time of year when there is a lot less light And if this is you, I hope you know that you're not alone and that we honor that struggle. Hope you know you don't have to suffer alone. You have companions here. Our worship theme for December is mystery, which for me feels like such a rich invitation in this month that holds the shortest day. And the holy days of Christmas and Hanukkah, holy days which are about light and freedom and life and resistance, coming in dark times and dark places, showing up in the most unexpected ways. I love this purple season of Advent, which comes just at this moment when our Consumer driven culture is saying, shop and buy and hurry up. Do you sense it? I sense it in traffic these days. All of a sudden, people are being pushier with their cars, right? So be careful out there. And if you could tune Advent on your radio, the voice of Advent would be saying, be still look for the possibilities right here in the dark and drive more slowly. (laughs) Note to oneself. (laughs) And to that Advent message that woman in Alaska would say and it's lovely. That quiet dark loveliness is what we offer here on Wednesdays in our Advent vespers, candles in the darkness, a few words, some quiet music and prayer, a simple meal with friends afterwards. What else do you need? Richard Rohr, a contemporary theologian and modern mystic, he invites us into the mystery. He writes, I believe in mystery and multiplicity. Religious belief has made me comfortable with ambiguity. Hints and guesses, as T.S. Eliot would say. He continues, when I was young, I couldn't tolerate such ambiguity. My education had trained me to have a lust for answers and explanations. But now at age 63, it's all quite different. I no longer believe this is a quid pro quo universe. I've counseled too many prisoners, worked with too many failed marriages, faced my own dilemmas too many times, and been loved gratuitously after too many failures. He says, people who've had any genuine spiritual experience always know they don't know. They are utterly humbled before mystery. My belief and comfort is in the depths of mystery which should be the very task of religion. Here in this church, we don't take those old stories literally, but rather symbolically. So we should be well equipped for this, right? To enter into these depths. But it does take a kind of release, a kind of letting go. I am mindful that there is in our country a growing bias against facts and learning and truth. You actually hear people say these days that they don't want their leaders to be too smart. They'd rather elect someone that they'd feel comfortable having a beer with. Remember that? As if those two things are mutually exclusive, I don't know about you, but I would love to have a beer with Martin Luther King Jr. or Albert Einstein or Abraham Lincoln. Now that would be a good beer, right? (laughs) So I invite you to enter Advent as an opportunity and as a time of going beyond the answers. As I do this, please don't hear me as advocating against thinking or against intelligence. These days, we need all the smarts we can get, right? If we're gonna tackle the problems we're facing. I'm just saying that when we are talking about and trying to apprehend these holy mysteries, answers will only take us so far. They'll only take us so far. Religion is more like poetry than science. It invites you to dial down just a little bit the rational side of your brain, to trust that there are other ways of knowing too. Be still and know, the psalmist said. This kind of knowing is not about facts or answers, it's deeper than that. Truly we live with mysteries too marvelous to be understood, the poet wrote. How grass can be nourishing in the mouths of lambs, how rivers and stones are forever in allegiance with gravity, while we ourselves dream of rising. How two hands touch and the bonds will never be broken. How people come from delight or the scars of damage to the comfort of a poem. Let me keep my distance always from those who think they have the answers. Let me keep company always with those who say, look and laugh in astonishment and bow their heads. Can we let this be a month of wonder? and exploration and joy, a time to look and laugh and bow our heads. How might you in this season enter more deeply into these mysteries and this joy? Some years ago, I heard a person talking on the radio about how they joined a community chorus to sing Handel's magnificent work, Messiah, which gets sung a lot this time of year. But she said she ran into a problem because as they were starting their rehearsals, she found herself thinking, do I believe these words? Are they true? And she says she wondered about quitting. She even wondered, is this hypocritical of me to be doing this? but something in her heart and soul and mind said stay. And so she did, she kept on singing and that music and the act of singing it with others, it took her out of her head and into her body. You know, you can't sing without really breathing. It took her into her heart where she touched something that was deeper than words and it was transformative. I get this, I love that music. I could tell you a whole story about when my mom introduced me to it when I was in college, but maybe another time. But in a couple weeks, I'll be going to visit my daughter who invited us to come with her and hear Messiah in New York City. And I'm gonna find it really hard not to sing along. I'm gonna get elbows in my side, I'm sure. I find it so moving. And in this month, when we're thinking about mystery, a particular piece of Messiah comes to mind, and it's when the bass solo sings out, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. Now, you could switch on your brain and ask, who is saying this? It's Paul from the first letter to the Corinthians. And what does it mean? Changed? Trumpet? And there's a time for those kind of questions, I guess, right? But how often does our skepticism hold us back, keep us from being open to wonder? We universalists, we Unitarian Universalists, you know, we can be more comfortable deconstructing these mysteries than we are at living into them. And in this season of all seasons, I don't want or need to analyze or defend. I just want to close my eyes and feel the magic of that music. Behold, I tell you a mystery. At this moment, I wish I had a magic wand that I could wave. Huh. I wish I had a magic wand that I could wave right now so you could hear that trumpet and that voice. Maybe this kind of music isn't your cup of tea, and if it's not, thanks for obliging me. But I will be just as glad and just as moved next Sunday when we gather after the service to sing Christmas carols. I hope you can come because I expect you might be moved too. And we won't worry, will we, whether there really were angels sweetly singing o'er the plains. We'll just join in, right, and singing Gloria in Ex Chelsea day. good. I didn't plan that. (laughs) So what do you need this month to enter wholeheartedly into these mysteries of Christmas and Advent? What would help you to prepare some room in your heart for more hope and more joy? I'd love to hear your stories, if you want to let me know, and your struggles, and hear more about how this church can better serve this central task of religion, of helping you enter into these depths. When Advent comes, I think of Jan Richardson, a poet and visual artist. She has a website called The Painted Prayer Book. Her husband Gary died a few months, a few years ago in this season, and so it's made it even more poignant for Jan, mixing light and shadow and love and loss. And so I want to end with this blessing that she offers for Advent Blessed are you who bear the light in unbearable times, who testify to its endurance amid the unendurable who bear witness to its persistence when everything seems in shadow and grief. Blessed are you in whom the light lives, in whom the brightness blazes, your heart a chapel, an altar where in the deepest night can be seen the fire that shines forth in you in unaccountable faith, in stubborn hope, in love that illumines every broken thing it finds. My spiritual companions, this is why we are here, for the mysterious and liberating and transforming work of being made ourselves into chapels, our hearts stretched and strengthened so that we can hold more disappointment. And more joy more hope and more faith more than we ever thought possible so we can bear the light in unbearable times so that we can be in touch with that mysterious and life-affirming spirit that is ever moving in us and around us and in our world like a river flowing, bringing blessings, now and forever. Amen.